When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Izzy Kempe for breakfast, SENZ. Kempe's away for today, he'll be back tomorrow. I'm heading in to go under the knife tomorrow, a surgery I've had off for five years since I retired. It's a big operation, osteotomy, pretty much put in context. They cut me open at the knee and break my femur, put a wedge in it, realign it, put a plate on the inside. Three nights in hospital, two months crutches, and uh, about six, seven months recovery. So big operation. I'm pretty nervous, but um, I'll be back in no time. And uh, Kempi and Ricardo will keep you up to date. We've got a big hour coming up. We're going to be talking to Marty Burke, NPC coach for Canterbury. And after 8 o'clock, we've got Danny Cipriani out of the UK. What is Danny Boy up to? We'll have to wait and see. So plenty coming up. But right now, Ricardo, we're going to be talking some football. Yeah, time to welcome in from uh, Sky Sports in the UK, Ben Ransom. Uh, ben, good morning to you, mate. Uh, you were at the Etihad today as Manchester City were uh, crowned champions again, the fifth EPL title in six years. They didn't have to kick a ball to win it because of Arsenal falling over against Forest <laughs> yesterday. Uh, it must have been a party atmosphere well before kickoff, mate. What, what time did you get to the Etihad and, and what was it like when you got there? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, it has been a bit of a party. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, it's funny, I did have a funny feeling that Forrest might get a result against Arsenal, be it a draw or a win. So when they won that game, obviously, they crowned City champions. And there was, uh, what I'm told, was an impromptu watch-along uh, with the City squad watching at their training ground last night and celebrating. Now, I think it might have been a bit more promptu than they're, they're letting on. But anyway... Um, it did mean that, yeah, turning up today, I got there about 11 in the morning, so it was a four o'clock in the afternoon kickoff. Uh, so already fans were turning up then for beers, coffees, that kind of thing. And the mood, yeah, the mood's been good, really. And it's just built and built and built. And then the scenes when the game kicked off were, were amazing. Chelsea doing that guard of honour to clap Manchester City on the pitch. And then after the game, I mean, it's always a pleasure to see a team that's achieved something special lift that trophy. And, uh, yeah, we certainly weren't disappointed. Mate, for previous years, and you've seen some some teams that have been competing in the EPL, you think of the, the run with Manchester United, Chelsea have had their time in the sun. Where does Manchester City sit in terms of special teams in your time? It's got to be one of the best teams I've ever seen. And I don't say that lightly because I watched plenty of... Um, plenty of Manchester United through the particularly the late 90s when they had that treble winning season and then the one uh, the team that was reinvented after that with Cristiano Ronaldo I remember watching Barcelona under Pep Guardiola win the Champions League when they beat Manchester United in 2009 I've seen obviously Mourinho's Chelsea's I've seen the kind of Arsenal Invincibles but this Guardiola Manchester City team has taken it on to another level in, in terms of domestic sides the only team I honestly that can rival it are his Barcelona team uh, for the tiki-taka football they used to play. But this team, the way he's, he's changed the formation. And the thing that I admire so much about Pep is there's two things, actually. One is the mentality. He just instills a motivation and a hunger 
into his players, and they are relentless when it comes to like this part of the season, when there are big games, whether they're defending titles, they're, they're just relentless. And other teams, more often than not, fail to live with them. But also the fact he is an innovator. I mean, no one had really seen goalkeepers playing out the back as they do now before he came to this country. His first decision when he walked through the door, drop England's number one in Joe Hart, bring in a goalkeeper that he felt was better with his feet. That now is a, a tactic that's adopted by not just teams in the Premier League, but right down to divisions one, two, three, four. It's, it's amazing. And this year, he's playing with that kind of fullback into midfield or defender stepping out into midfield. Lo and behold, teams in the Premier League, teams in the Championship, Leeds 1, Leeds 2, they're all doing the same thing. And that, to me, is testament to how good a coach he is. It's interesting. I watched the uh, celebrations on the pitch after the game. And, you know, all the players were getting their medals and everything. And Pep was even wearing a Manchester City shirt. But he was kind of stood off to the side just to, like pretty nonplussed by it all, just letting the players enjoy it. it. It very much felt like looking at him, his body language and everything, that this isn't job done yet. He's a, there's a few other things on his mind. Yeah, 100%. I mean, part of that is Pep. He always wants the players to take the credit in these moments, um, certainly publicly anyway. Um, I don't think he'd ever admit uh, too much to how you know how much he enjoys them personally in terms of an achievement. He always tends to kind of put the, the praise to the players. But yeah, I think that is right. I think it is. This was only supposed to be the first of three cup finals. Now, as it happened, this cup final was already won before they took to the field, given that Arsenal had lost. But he spoke last week about the three cup finals. Win the Premier League, win the FA Cup final against Manchester United. And that's no mean feat in itself. City are favourites, no doubt, but of course it's a derby, it's a Wembley, it's a final. United have been there already this season and won a trophy. So there's no guarantees there whatsoever. And then it's about focusing on the third part of that uh, triangle, the Champions League, the trophy they've never yet got their hands on. So again, Mm. huge occasions. And I think he's just trying to manage the players' emotions right now. Who is more favoured? Man City into Milan? Who who are you thinking has got the... Got the uh, the favourite tag at the moment. It has to be Man City, wouldn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. I think City are big favourites. Actually, I think nobody connected to Inter Milan. I I think a few months ago would have believed they'd have got to a Champions League final. I honestly don't. I mean, they were on the same side of the draw. It was a weaker side of the draw generally. I think when it was made. I think that's how we all felt about it. But Napoli were the standout team, the team that obviously lifted uh, City out this season. But they got knocked out. Inter have, you know, done really... I mean, the semis, they were great Inter. They absolutely dominated their rivals, AC Milan. But they are a team that I don't think will be able to live with Manchester City. And also, I don't think Pep is going to mess around. He's learned from the previous final when he completely changed City's tactical makeup against Chelsea. Went into that game, no holding midfielder, both Rodri and Fernandinho on the bench. It was a, a really bizarre tactical shift that that went wrong. He's done it in big games previously, in semi-finals of the Champions League, for example. But this time, the fact he made a joke before the Real Madrid game to say, ha, don't worry, guys, I'm not overthinking this one. I think he knows his strongest team and he's just going to let them play. And I think if they do that, they're massive favourites beating to Milan. And I actually think the United game, in many ways, it is a trickier game for them to navigate. Beautiful. Well, one of the first names on the team sheet will be Erling Haaland. 36 games, 33 goals, English Football Player of the Year. Is there a bigger name? And what impact has this player had on the EPL in your eyes? And I was reading Andy Cole predicts 
second season blues from Erling Haaland. Nothing can stop this bloke at the moment, surely. <laughs> yeah, I can't see that. And the reason I disagree with Andy Cole, as great a striker as he was, um, is that I I can't recall seeing a young player as hungry as Haaland. Into, I mean, he eats a lot of calories as well, so he's hungry in a, in a physical sense too. But he, when he takes to the field, it's remarkable. And this was from day one. I went out on pre-season tour with City uh, before the start of this season. I saw them play in Green Bay, Lambeau Field against Bayern Munich, and I saw Haaland in the flesh. And, you know, just watching his finishing was amazing behind the goal. But ever since that moment, he has this drive and a determination to get to that ball, to break the line, to score the goal, to beat the defender. And that hasn't diminished in right through the season. I've never once seen a, a performance where there's not been a couple of moments in the game where he has given everything. He's strained every sinew of his colossal hulking frame to get there in front of someone, to shrug someone off, to use his physicality. He's a remarkable specimen. And that, that I, I suppose, maybe Alan Shearer is the last player I can remember that had that absolute determination to win every ball and to score every goal he possibly could. And because of that, I don't, I don't think we'll see any uh, second-season Blues. I think we'll, he'll continue to score. And if anything, I mean, the worry might be that Manchester City are even better at supplying him. And that mm. is a pretty fearsome prospect, isn't it? It is, because, I mean, earlier in the season, I think uh, there was a bit of a disconnect for him, between him and Kevin De Bruyne, and De Bruyne had a lot of injuries as well, so wasn't always on the field, who's really, you know, Man City's uh, best player in, in terms of creatively. Um, so, yeah, a lot to do. Uh, that FA Cup final, you've already touched on it, but uh, there's only ever been one treble in English football, which United did in 99, and now they're standing in the way of one. They have, they have upset one before, going back a few years to 1977, when they stopped Liverpool doing the treble in an FA Cup win, what chance do you give United, if you were a bookie, what chance do you give United of, of upsetting the treble? Realistically, it's got... I mean, look, bookies are never generous, are they? But I suppose you, you might give it a two-to-one because they, they, they can do it, United. Like, I, I mean, I think the fact they've won a domestic trophy at Wembley this season, this group's done it, the fact they've got players like Casemiro who have been there and done it in the biggest games, and they can cause Manchester City problems. We've seen that this season already. You know, um, if they can keep their squad fit, if United can have Rashford back in the side, if they can have uh, Fernandez at the top of his game, if they can have Varane in central defence, they've got a chance. There's no doubt they've got a chance. And and also because it's a final, as you know, look. Izzy, you'll know this. When you go into one-off games where trophies are on the line, strange things can happen. Suddenly, every moment feels like it's almost a, a final decider in itself. Over a league season, the average, the best team averages out tends to win. But on one day, a one-off occasion, little things can go either way. And sometimes it can be as simple as a toss of a coin. It can be a ball bouncing one way, a ball hitting the post or going in, or a, a rash tackle or, or whatever it is. And I think that's what's quite exciting about these huge games and that's also what's exciting about I mean the City fans I think will be nervous the ones I spoke to today they're the ones saying to me well look if one team is going to stop us it will be those pesky Reds from the other side of the city <laughs> oh, we'd love to see that wouldn't we eh Rick Dog? we would we would couple of United fans <laughs> this side of the world mate you know how it is Ben um, and, and, and that and I, actually I've got to ask you this next question mate and I, and I ask this as a football fan rather than as a United fan but I saw an article the other day uh, basically looking at City as a financial organisation 
and comparing them to Lance Armstrong and basically saying they're financially doping, they're cheats. And they oh. do have 115 charges for breaking the financial rules against them by the Premier League uh, that are still outstanding. These, these were levelled, what, back in February? Where are we at with that? And do you think that this season, no matter what happens, we'll always have an asterisk against it for that reason? Uh, it won't have an asterisk against it unless they're proven, those charges. I mean, you, you can't forget that City claim to have an irrefutable bank of evidence that they say completely exonerates them. So until this case is settled, you're right, there is that cloud that will hang over the club. But it's been hanging over them for a while anyway. It's really been hanging over them since the kind of the Spiegel revelations, since they had that settlement with UEFA previously, uh, where they settled to the tune of some 30 million euro. Um, so that cloud, until they get the opportunity to either prove their name or be found guilty, will hang over them. I think there's, there's no doubt you're out of that. Um, the financial doping thing is, is an interesting one. Uh, I mean, look, there's a, there's a wider debate on FFP and what it's about. Um, I, I find it a slightly tricky one because the problem I have with FFP, as much as UEFA and other leagues like the Premier League have brought it in to try and curb spending and stop teams spending beyond their means, the truth is the only one it really benefits are the teams already in the club, i.e. already in the championship year. I mean, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm being too anti-Manchester United here. But look, you both follow Manchester United who, through the 90s and through their own success, earn more money than anyone else. I mean, when the Champions League was set up as a competition, it changed the game in terms of the amount of money involved, and it just so happened that it coincided with that competition being formed with Manchester United being the dominant force in English football. So every year they were getting an extra, at the time, twenty odd million pounds a season than any other club. And obviously, you multiply that as the years go on. And the fact that we're in it every year, that financial advantage over all the other teams was powerful, right? And that helped keep them at the top of the game. Um, and that, you know, so there's something to be looked at. The rules themselves, you know, we're not here to debate those. But I think what you have to appreciate with the City team is irrespective of what's going on off the pitch and irrespective of those investigations, you've got to give credit to Guardiola and the team in front that he's got to work with. He's clearly created a fantastic team. And also within that, there are plenty of homegrown players that he's brought through. I mean, Phil Foden, Cole Palmer and um, Rico Lewis all started the game today. And they're all from the academy. So again, there's an element that it's not as simple as saying they're spending more money than their rivals. Because actually, if you look at the amount of money they are spending, it's often it's less than quite a lot of the other teams in the Premier League, which again is remarkable. Mm, yeah, it is. It is remarkable. Um, I guess the uh, finding, mate, one, one thing that's been levelled at Pep Guardiola has been that he can't win the Champions League without Messi. He did it at Barcelona with Messi, then uh, went to Bayern, who were the best team in Europe at the time, was there for, what, three, four seasons, couldn't win it with them, hasn't been able to win it with City so far. You think there's going to be a little bit, if they do it this time, and go, oh, it's because he had Haaland? Because like now it's like he can't win it unless he's got Haaland? <laughs> <laughs> there might be a bit of that, yeah. I mean, look, it's funny, because obviously I've, I've been covering Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. This is the sixth season. Uh, really, and obviously he's had a, you know he's had all those opportunities to try and win this competition. He's come close. The final against Chelsea is the main one, but there's been some. There have been a couple of games that have been decided on the finest of fine margins. I mean, the last year the semi-final against Real Madrid when they were winning in the Bernabeu, and they've had that crazy couple of minutes when uh, Rodrigo scored a couple of goals. Real Madrid equalised right at the death, two goals in two minutes, and then they went on to win and ultimately go through to the final and win it. 
Uh, there was the game against Spurs at the Etihad where they thought they'd scored. Then it was ruled out for VAR because of offside and a really close call. And then Spurs went up the other end. It bounced off someone's arm, went in the goal, and they get through to the final and they played Liverpool. So there have been some real near misses for this team. But this one, to me, seems like their best opportunity yet because not only have they navigated any potential banana skins, they got through Bayern Munich, they've got through Real Madrid. These are big names in European football. They are faced with the prospect of facing one of the weaker finalists we've seen in the last few seasons, and they will go into that as massive favourites. So, yeah, I think they I think they do win it, and I would also expect lots of, uh, particularly United fans, to suggest it's purely because of Haaland. <laughs> can can Man City hold on to Haaland? Yes, I think so. I think he's really happy. I mean, we saw that on the pitch. I've mean, yeah. obviously just uh, left the Etihad Stadium now, and he was celebrating. Uh, he loves it. His dad was there, obviously used to play for Manchester City. There is a family connection. He has always followed the, the club as a child. There's those great pictures that we saw dredged up when he signed of him in the Man City shirt. Um, he loves it. He's loving his football. He's loving life in Manchester. He's loving working with Guardiola. There was talk, wasn't there, when he signed that after one or two seasons, he had a release clause and he was expected to play for two, one or two years here and then go to Real Madrid. Well, there's suggestion now that actually he's going to renegotiate that deal and he's happy. He's, he's enjoying it so much. He's basically going to be happy to stay. And I think, I think personally, he stays pretty much as long as Guardiola's here. He's still only so young. He's got his whole future ahead of him. Now, I think he will go on to play for Real Madrid, and I think he very much has plotted a career path where he plays for the biggest teams in the world. But right now, he can do a lot, you know, he can do a lot worse than staying at City, a team that are themselves, mm. has to be said, they've got to be regarded as the best team on the planet right now. Hey, Ben, thanks very much, mate. I know it's been a long day for you, and uh, you know, it's, got to, <laughs> it's, it's got to be quite painful as a Charlton Athletic fan to be amongst that kind of success. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let, let you go and crack a Stella, mate, and put your feet up after a long day's work. Appreciate your time. Yeah, touche. Our 10th place finish in League One is probably not too much to write home about, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, indeed, mate. Good stuff. Go well. Ben Ransom from Sky Sport UK there with us on Izzy and Kimby for breakfast at 7.22. And uh, thanks to Chemist Warehouse. This is Izzy and Kimby for breakfast, the real house of fragrance.